and uh, live from Denver. It is Sunday morning. Hey, everybody. Uh, I am going to do my level best <laughs> to start this show slowly <laughs> and talk in an even tone here because um, that is something I am actively working on trying to do uh, because I know when I get excited or nervous or um, just my normal mode of communicating is to talk very fast <laughs> and and really I'll just like, rah, rah. and so when I get nervous or excited it comes out even more and of course every single live stream I've ever done there's always been some nervousness all right let's go ahead and uh, get your comments up on the screen as they're coming in here hey everybody uh, excellent good hey Xion and Jonathan hey welcome here I'm sure we'll get some more folks coming on as uh, the as the time progresses here. Uh, hits the spot. So, yes, this is our uh, number three hundred and forty fourth show. Man, uh, a lot of questions answered, huh? And we're coming kind of north to you know. It's always the reflective time of year at the end of the year. It certainly is for me. This was actually, gosh, what is it? Um, was it? Was it ten years ago? Ten years? Nine years? Maybe nine. I think nine years ago. Um, around this time in Twin Cities when I was on project out there that I was having my epiphanies you could say about lying in the church of Scientology and second guessing my life choices and talking to my parents on the phone secretly and you know expressing my my doubts and concerns and yeah that was all nine nine years ago wow it seems in so many ways like a lifetime ago. <laughs> and then you go nine years. Well, that's not really that long. I mean, it seems like it is a long time, but it's not really that long. But wow, does it just seem like a whole different lifetime. Anyway, uh, okay, so let's start with some questions here, guys. Um, okay, hey, Steve. Hey, welcome to the show here. I uh, see all you guys in your names. Hey, Alexandra. All right. Portugal. Damn. Excellent. All right. Um, okay, so first question is, uh, how many years do you think Scientology will last before it collapses? You know, before a couple days ago, I would have given it a longer lifespan than I give it now. If uh, we have just had reporting in in the last two days in Tony, on Tony Ortega's blog, and if you guys haven't seen it, I really recommend you check it out. There is inside Skinny coming out of the church, and I'm going to be contacting some folks maybe later today and seeing, you know, trying to confirm some of this, uh, in, you know, with secondary sources. But um, uh, it appears uh, from the report that uh, the Church of Scientology is imploding a little faster than any of us imagined due to its own COVID protocols and restrictions and the authoritarian nature of itself sort of being exerted on itself. In other words, you know, they're they're being just as bad to themselves as ever, but they've hyped it up to not 11, now it's up to about 20. It's pretty crazy. 
Um, what we're hearing is that the COVID lockdowns uh, and quarantines were so extreme that people were basically being put in the equivalence of solitary confinement. And, um, you know, when we get our justice riled up, then we are perfectly okay with sticking people in solitary. But if you really stop outside of that whole, you know, limbic justice demand and really think about what solitary confinement is for somebody, it is it is an absolutely almost guaranteed way to drive somebody absolutely nuts. And, uh, you know, you stick somebody in a room and you don't give them any stimulus with which to relieve the tension and boredom of that, and they will go mad uh, over time, right? And, uh, and so Sea Org members, apparently, and public and staff were being quarantined and sometimes on the basis for longer than two weeks if the person showed any signs of uh, physical symptoms and uh, not just of COVID, but of anything. And whole offices would be shut down. And, and, and this obviously was all coming from the top, from Miscavige. These kind of orders do not come from somewhere else in the Scientology world. He's the guy who would demand this kind of thing. And apparently they're taking the COVID protocols so extreme. And you remember if you've watched my shows with Aaron, he and I laughed about the fact that Pat Harney, the OSA staff member out in Clearwater, will, will be wearing gloves as well as a mask when she goes out in public. And we thought that was ridiculous. Well, apparently that's been the protocol on all the Sea Org bases and supposed to be in the orgs for the last two years. I mean, Scientology staff have been subjected to that. But even worse, as significantly worse, is that they have been cleaning on a daily basis, hourly basis practically, with this Decon 7, high, powerful, potent chemical cleaner that is an industrial strength cleaner. And um, and it's, it went in, it's, it's perfectly safe when you use it as instructed. But like I always say, you know, cults dial the extremism thing you know that they'll take perfectly normal behavior this is what i'm trying to get across the point i'm always trying to make with this is they trying to is they, they they take perfectly normal behavior and they make it abnormal they they make it awkward they make it crazy they make it extreme and here in this case you take you know something that they were doing at the beginning of the pandemic this was a solution they came up with at the very get-go is we're going to clean <coughs> The Sea Org is crazy about cleaning. I mean, really, they they really take it to a, to a, to an extreme. And uh, you know, you've heard or you might know about you know white glove cleaning and all that. I won't get into all that right now. Point is, they're crazy about cleaning. So they decided that early on, when it was not totally clear, if y'all remember, whether COVID was passed through surface contact or whether it was just airborne. How do we get it? You know, we know all that now. We know it's not has nothing to do with surfaces. But or very little to do, as I guess I should say. But, um, but their own, you know, yeah, exactly. Their own COVID protocols are destroying them because they are overusing this chemical. And guess where this is going? Right when you overuse an industrial strength chemical near a human body, the human body is the thing that's going to give way. The respiratory system starts breaking down. Uh, it affects the skin. It can cause seizures. It apparently has, according to this report that we have. Again, this is a single report, and we're when we're getting confirmation of various things. But um, I don't particularly have strong reasons to doubt this could be true. I'm just so surprised because this is 
this is just internal suicide on the part of Miscavige, who clearly has to be ordering all of this. So if these guys are now suffering, you know, uh, really, really negative medical consequences from their own protocols, that means that they must be having people exit out of there in droves. Because um, when the... Um, when the, here's what I can compare this to to try to give you guys my best comparison for how I'm sort of thinking about or how we might think about what, all the, what I just described. And what I just described is only part of what this insider has revealed. There's also um, you know, stuff about the chase wave and the credit card fraud and bank fraud that the church has been engaged in and, and some other stuff. So, so that's the article on Tony. I don't want to steal all that thunder. You guys should go read that art, those articles. I actually got to write a response to it today. It's on Tony's blog today. So did Mike. So did Claire. So did uh, a couple others. So you can see some of our written responses to this article. And um, where was I going? Uh, yeah, the cleaning and stuff. I was, oh, yeah, the basics. Okay, so... So when the basics came out, I was on the RPF. The basics were the last major revision of all of Scientology's books and a release of tons of Hubbard lectures on CD with transcripts. And this had been the first time a bunch of them had ever seen the light of day. And they had gone back over lectures that, that had been released, and they sort of did some revisions on those, excised some lines that were a little awkward uh, things like that, uh, so that Hubbard wasn't coming across like the, you know, casual racist or misogynist that he was. And uh, anyway, and they released all this stuff, and they called it the basics. And, and you guys know this was a really, really big deal. I think it was in 2004 or so, 2003 or 2004. Um, so um, when that happened... About a, a couple months after that release, Miscavige was very unhappy with the lax sales statistics. He expected everything to be straight up in vertical statistics, right? He expected those graphs to be going, you know, up, up, up on sales, and everybody was buying these things, and everybody was listening to them, and everybody was getting on course, and... You know, this was supposed to be the big thing. Well, we didn't really necessarily get that to start with. I mean, we did think it was a big thing, but the public were like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, okay, I'll buy a set or I'll buy some books or I'll buy one at a time. Or, you know, they weren't really like going all in on this. And Miscavige was furious. And this was, of course, all our fault because we were not selling them like in the order of magnitude that was expected. Excuse me, my voice is cracking. So um, so the call centers were implemented. And you guys, of course, if you've been following my channel or others, then you know that when those basics happened, you know, the shit hit the fan hard. I mean, it was insane. There was it wasn't just your standard boiler room setup, it which which was created eventually. They had computer terminals with scripts that you would read, and they were doing all this skip tracing to find people who had been on Scientology's lines years ago and get them back in using these basics. This became the big thing. And every single staff member, every single one. Sea Org member on the entire base, everybody had to be in that call center two and a half to five hours a day, and you had quotas to make, and if you didn't make those quotas, you weren't going, and you sure as hell weren't going to sleep.
So there was uh, sleep deprivation, food deprivation, there was psychological torture, there were push-ups and sit-ups and exercises, physically demeaning exercises and hard physical labor doled out if you did not meet your quotas. People blew every week. People were taken off on a weekly basis. I mean, just gone. This person's gone. This person's gone. And not low-level staff, high-level staff. The senior INR, the senior ethics officer for the whole base blew with her husband that week. Uh, some other uh, people took off a couple weeks later. I mean, there was just wholesale leaving. And uh, and it didn't really matter. They just got more draconian, right? And uh, everybody, and, and this went on for months before command finally started twigging. I mean, local command started twigging on the fact that this was, you know, just kind of just self-destructive. This was not, you know, yeah, we were getting all these sales, but at what cost? Uh, it's not, they did not tone it down that much, but they started, you know, bringing the levels down a little bit and it took years. This went on for years, this abuse, this nonsense. I was on the RPF during that time. I was, I was sort of watching this kind of from the side and as bad as the RPF was, I was sitting there going, man, I'm glad I'm not in that call center. I mean, it was bad. So that's the only thing I can have to compare to what must be going on now with these COVID protocols, you know, being being dialed up so high and everybody going kind of nuts over this. Nobody's left the base apparently in like two years. Like they won't let people leave. Now, I'm not talking about the public. I mean, the Sea Org members, they don't get leave. They don't get time off. I don't know that they're even getting married. Like social activities are, are you know, nil. The base has just been this kind of 1984 prison camp, apparently, for the last two years. People don't put up with that shit for so long. I mean, even Sea Org members have limits. All of us do. Aunt Mike did, right? I did. I mean, there's a point where you're just like, okay, this is too much. And, and it's because there's no good anymore. It's all bad. And when the bad you know, heavily, heavily outweighs the good to that extreme of a level. And it's so blatant and in your face. And there's just no good anymore at all. Well, then why would you stay, right? And at that point is when people start, you know, snapping to waking up. At least some people do. Obviously, not everybody does. And fanaticism is a little bit illogical. <laughs> you know, you can't fully explain it rationally. But I can tell you that, you know, there are certain levels where people are just not going to go past. And um, and so I'm sure if this is all true, that there must be mass exodus of Sea Org members and staff out of these orgs and off of, off of the Sea Org bases because of this. And, you know, Miscavige can get away with a lot in the real world if he's got a core of people who are loyal to him and will do whatever he says. And he does have that right now. But if he kills them, you know, if he destroys them, if he kills their morale, if he kills their loyalty, he ain't got nothing. And we have no idea why this is happening. I, I imagine it is due to Miscavige's paranoia. Um, and, you know, he's an asthmatic. He's old. I mean, he's in the COVID demographic. Remember, the original demographic was exactly where David Miscavige sits. So, uh, so I'm sure he's been running scared from this thing from day one. He doesn't want to die. 
and uh, and he's you know is who he is and so you know i can only imagine also as somebody commented on tony's blog this morning what must life be like for those in his inner circle oh my god i mean you know if this is as bad as it is all the way down line at the end of the line is the sea org bases you know and the staff what's well you know who knows right so so I am, you know, in one way encouraged because good, you know, it's it's imploding, but holy crap, not at this cost. I don't want people having seizures and getting sick and ill and, you know, potentially dying in order to end Scientology. I don't think that's the, I don't think that's the way I wanted to see this happen, you know, so it's a little bit of a bitter pill, you know, it's it's not really like great news, but at the same time. You know, how did we think this was going to go? I mean, Miscavige is a dictatorial authoritarian predator, and and Scientology is a destructive cult. So these things don't tend to have happy endings. I'm not suggesting a Jonestown at all, right? That's not Scientology's thing. Um, but I just didn't expect to see this level of uh, cruelty, you know, exhibited against all the staff all at once that's that's the part that has surprised me about this report and makes me wonder like well how does this how is this working and how are people staying so we need to get more information and and i hope we do so that's my rundown on that i thought you guys might want to hear some of those ideas let me go back up in the comments section here and get back up all right okay raymond van der stelt asks how, and if so, does the Scientology website affect you in real life? Okay, so to be completely honest with you guys, the website does not affect me in my day-to-day -day life in any way. Um, however, uh, it's the problem with it is knowing not only that it's out there, but that people who choose to not like me or my content for some reason because I'm ideologically off or they, I disagree on some social issue or they just don't like my take on Scientology for some reason, will then go and read that and use that as cannon fodder to attack me or to think badly of me. And that bothers me because, of course, none of the stuff on that page is really true, certainly not the way that it's framed. And I've, I've already explained myself to the degree that I'm going to about that. So I, you know, so that kind of bums me out a little bit. It's not like people call me and, you know, say things, but I've had tweets thrown my direction and emails thrown my direction, which have accused me of things that Scientology accuses me of from people who were never connected with Scientology. And that's, that always kind of bums me out a little bit, but it's a negligible presence. It's a, you know, I'm talking about a handful uh, over the years that that's been out. The positive repercussions of it have also been there, and they are that people see it, understand it's a badge of honor, that it is something that I, you know, have earned through my hard work, <laughs> and uh, that it's obviously bullshit, and, you know, these people are just uh, shooting themselves in the foot trying to uh, tar my reputation that way. So that's been much, much, much more prevalent than uh, the negative. And otherwise, you know, I don't really think about it too much, uh, except that that bothersome part, right? Um, it's never comfortable to to be a pro I don't I don't think it's, it would be comfortable for any of you, and it certainly isn't any more comfortable for me to know that there are people out there who hate me for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> 
you know, uh, and you can't do anything about it. That's the weird, that's, that's the weird thing that you have to grow your tough skin. You got to grow your thick skin and just go, that's just how it is. And that's what I've been working on. So, uh, that's that. All right. Um, Yes, yes. I noticed that um, people are seeing my um, wedding proposal video to Melissa more now. I guess some, I, I had a big, huge uh, ad thing on my channel, which I was ranting about on Friday. And a lot of my videos were surreptitiously sort of put on limited ads, which means that the reach, that they don't get recommended. So I had to go through and request a human review of every single one of those, which was, you know, very inconvenient. And um, and I think in doing so, it put them back in the recommended queue. And so you're seeing recommendations for these videos that have been kind of, you know, shadow banned or something. I don't know what word to use. Maybe that's not the right word. But, you know, they definitely have not been being put out there for you guys the same way as my, you know, the videos that are okay for ads. So that was that was definitely uh, infuriating on Friday and, and having to deal with that. But that's why you're probably seeing those things. So I'm glad you're seeing them. <laughs> that's the, at the end of the day, I'm just glad you guys are seeing it. Okay. Uh, plan, okay, plan, Raymond asks me, what are your plans and goals for 2022? I'm just going down in sequence here, guys. Um, to finish my master's at the beginning of the year. And after that, I've got some videos to make. And um, I've got a new series I'm thinking about doing, and I'm not going to say sh anything about it until I, it's it's happening, and it's and it's releasing because um, I've already learned my lesson on that. Um, but I do have some exciting video plans and some publication plans for this next year if I can pull all that off. Who knows what 2022 is going to bring? But that's kind of what I'm that's what I'm hoping for. And of course, 2022 will see the Masterson case. And I think the Masterson case has a lot of potential. Um, whether that potential is going to be realized for Scientology in terms of bringing it into the courtroom and putting, you know, Sea Org members on the stand to testify about covering up the the sexual assaults, uh, the alleged sexual assaults, we'll see. You know, I, it's there's a chance that that Scientology might do a legal runaround and and prevent anything from Scientology going into the courtroom that way. Who knows what's going to happen? I have to acknowledge that as a possibility, but I am much, much, much more hopeful that 22 will see Masterson going to jail and Sea Org members on the stand having to testify under oath that they covered up, um, you know, for Masterson and his crimes. I think that would be a beautiful karmic moment for everybody concerned. Um, so, and I use karma figuratively, guys. I'm not, I, you know, I'm just saying. Okay. Uh, let us move on here. Jonathan Perry asks, I heard a theory that Shelley volunteered for the CST vault position because it was a way to get away from David, which was intolerable at that point. Uh, sure, anything's possible. Uh, she could have volunteered for that. However, Miscavige, remember, Miscavige is not the kind of guy who grants wishes. And I'm pretty sure that if that's if he thought that's what she wanted, he probably would have sent her elsewhere. But um, the thing about where she is is that she is close enough to be right under Miscavige's thumb anytime he wants to reach out and do that. She's in proximity to the gold base, and she's on you know the old the uh, an even more secure uh, CST base. So it's even so. If anything, the elements, if we look at it from a coercive control point of view. 
isolation, manipulation, and control, right? Well, she's even more isolated in the place that she is now than she's ever been, and more easy, therefore, to manipulate. So, you know, maybe she volunteered for it, but at the end of the day, I think it works to Miscavige's advantage. Um, oh, Debbie M. asks me, what are you most grateful for as the year draws to an end? Good people in my life. Um, my wife. My family. Uh, the fact that I have a family and that I am in touch with them and we are on good terms. Uh, you know, all things being equal, you know, obviously relationships have ups and downs, but the fact that I have them and that they are, that they are people for me that, that I can rely on. Um, those, those are things I'm extremely grateful for right now in this, in this place, in this world. Um, I am extremely grateful that I have a channel that allows me to create and talk to you guys and gives me the opportunity to, um, do what I think I do best. And, um, and thank goodness it's something that people find interesting. <laughs> I'm very grateful for that. And I know how lucky I am to have, you know, sort of maneuvered my way into this position. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, and I'm grateful for uh, recovery. I am very, very grateful for that. And I am grateful for learning um, because uh, both of those things go go hand in hand. There's the, you, you, I don't think you have one without the other. Um, I think education brings about massive, significant change in all of us, and and I think it has the potential to move the meter, you know, of the world uh, more than anything is knowing, learning, and growing as a result. And so I, I'm just I'm grateful that I can do that, and I'm grateful that I have a platform where I get to encourage other people to do that. Um, and I am so grateful, I guess the last thing I will say is I am so grateful, uh, that, that you guys are around, that I have supporters, that I have critics, you guys, um, you're my critics and, uh, and that means a lot to me. So, uh, there you go. <laughs> okay. Um. Oh my God, Exion! With <laughs> okay, I'm gonna read this because it's so good. It's so horrible. It's just a dad joke right up my line. With the Omicron variant in mind, how do you wash your hands over the holidays with sanitizer? Oh my God, Jonathan, uh, Chris Shelton, how exactly did David pay for his services starting as a lowly Sea Org member, and what level was he at when he gained power? Uh, John, I don't know. I, I don't have Miscavige's case record in front of me or know. I don't know that anybody knows the exact. He did this here, this here, this here. He joined as a teenager. He was. Uh, he came from a Scientology family. Um, uh, David Miscavige's uh, father was a Scientologist first, right? Got his kids in. And um, when he got into Scientology, I do know that he was a class four auditor. Uh, he was a failed intern, but he was a class four auditor. I don't know what other training he's done since then. And I believe he got up in auditing up to OT8, but I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. I've heard different reports, which is why I can't say for sure. 
Um, does the flag land base give tours of the building to the public? I don't think they do right now. And I don't know. I don't know that they ever have possibly, they might do tours there. They could do that. They could control that, that environment and do those tours. But I, but with the lockdowns and everything, I don't think so. They've been quarantining everybody who comes to flag for two weeks, mandatory in the hotels. And, um, in uh, PAC, apparently, in the, in, at Big Blue, they s- stopped having to quarantine because they got everybody on the base vaccinated. There's a whole vax, anti-vax thing in Scientology that's talked about in the article. And, man, fascinating stuff. I mean, it's just talk about double binds and crazy-making stuff. Um, okay, Santifa. All right. Uh, da, 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 da. Going just going down the line here. Oh yeah, Vernon asks, Chris, did you see Lloyd Evans at the atheist event in Texas? He was there. Yes, I did, and I and I have not mentioned this yet, but he and I did talk, and um and it was smiles and we shook hands and so it was civil and it was great and I'm very very happy about that. I like Lloyd a lot, and I loved what he has to. I love what he has to say. I liked what he had to say at the, at the conference, and I like his channel, and and I endorse it. And that all being said, I think it's a real shame that we've come to a parting of the ways because of a disagreement we had on a social issue. And we, I don't know that we even had a disagreement on a social issue. It's just he thought that you know my anti. I, I was critical last year about the Black Lives Matter movement and not the sorry, not the movement, the organization, not the movement. I'm, I'm very much for Black Lives Matter, equal rights for all, human rights across the boards. I mean, I've said this so many times, it just sounds rote now. Um, so so you guys know that's what I'm about. But the BLM organization, I do have issues with uh, based on their own um writings i guess you could say from their website and from their websites in the past and so yeah their manifestos that's the word i was looking for so we had a parting of the ways on that point because he he just didn't agree that i had the you know that i should do that so that's where we parted ways and that's that and um but i'm very 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 happy that we had the opportunity to see each other and still acknowledge each other's existence and be uh be cool with one another so that's what happened at the event there uh, at least from my perspective. Okay. Um, will I be? No, I will not, Nick. Uh, we are still, Nick asks if I'll be giving uh, Mel a kitten as a Christmas present. And I, I don't see that happening. Um, I think we're still kind of grieving. And I think I, we, we, we're going to get through that first. Um, that's my plan, at least. Uh, we'll see. Plans change. Okay. Uh, Neither time did I test what were they rested at in outpost. Oh, Xion asks about the Sea Org recruitment uh, and not being asked about LSD. <clears throat> Xion, let me ask you here in the comments if you could reply and tell me, did um, did you ever route into the EPF? Did you actually make it to the point where you arrived and were starting? Because if you haven't been asked before, you will absolutely be asked when there's a there's a meter check that is done on everybody who comes in. And if you can't pass that meter check, they are not going to let you on to the EPF. And one of those questions has to do with LSD. So they will ask you that question at some point in the, um, I guess you could say, the intake process. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, um, so you let me know on that, but that's, that's what I, that's at least policy. If they skipped the meter checks, that was a crazy situation. That should never have happened. Um, okay. Um, ha, do you like the movie Jim Cotta? You guys, I actually talked about this. This is one of the worst movies ever. Ah, Jim Cotta. No, I did not like that movie. <laughs> I don't think uh, I don't think that uh, I, I think that the physicality of being a, um, a a gymnast absolutely can translate over to uh, to martial arts, but not not through Jim Cotta. <laughs> okay, um, let's see. Oh, Michael Jackson asks, since L. Ron Hubbard repeats himself a lot, if you take away the repeats, how many different lectures would you say he actually has? Oh, no, he had over 5,000 lectures, apparently. There's an incredible body of work, and it's not necessarily all repetitive. Um, certainly, if you took off, I mean, even if you said a fifth of that was, was just junk, was just repetitive, he was saying the same thing over and over again at different times. And there are places where you could say that. But he also, remember, spun it in different ways. And some of the most interesting ways of analyzing this I am learning is learning, you know, what's, what's the phrasing he uses? What framing is he putting these ideas in for the audience he's talking to? And how does that affect how they receive those ideas? I mean, this is, this is just real kind of deep stuff, but it's, um, but it's fun. Anyway, so uh, that's what I can say about that. Uh, yeah. I'd, so you still have 4,000 lectures there, if, even if you take out, a, you know, a, a fifth to 20% of them. So that's still a ton of, ton of work. Uh, with the billion-year contract, would Sea Org leave because of COVID? Yeah, Polly, I kind of am, uh, am saying, yeah, they would. Absolutely, they would. Um, believe me, when you're ready to go, that billion-year contract is the last thing that you're thinking about. Um, yeah, exactly, these little petties. Am I okay with wearing leather pants? No, I'm not. I've never worn leather pants, and I doubt I ever will. <laughs> it would be a little weird the day I wear leather pants. Um, oh, okay, Xion, you said, no, I called it off the day after, but it was in my folders too. Okay, no meter checks. Uh, not sure what to tell you, man. Uh, you absolutely should have been checked on that. That's crazy that, that nobody asked that. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a small thing in the world that I came from. Maybe in different times and different places, it meant different things to people in terms of the severity of the of the flag order or its enforcement. But I can I can only speak to my own experience, and we were absolutely raked over the coals on that point. So, uh, have not seen the new Spider Man movie yet. I uh, heard it's uh, really really good, and I'm sure I'll get around to it. Okay. Um, Yes, we will definitely be going to see the new Matrix movie soon. <laughs> yes, with some friends. We've got plans for that. Um, oh, absolutely. What a great question. Yeah, Preacher1138 asks, Do you see any similarities between Alec Baldwin's character in Glen Gary Glen Ross and Scientology pressure to get money from their members? Yeah, absolutely, of course. Um, the, the Alec Baldwin character is a a lightweight in Scientology. <laughs> I mean, if I'm, if I'm really being honest, that's, that's the, that's the least that you're going to hear about. I mean, the whole, if you guys haven't seen the movie or seen a clip of it, look it up on YouTube. It's brilliant. I mean, Alec Baldwin delivers a, like basically a five minute or 10 minute performance that is 
riveting. I mean, you, your attention is definitely on him the entire time. And he goes through this, uh, this monologue that is hardcore about sales. And, and he's talking to a group of salesmen. And he's basically telling them that uh, one of them is getting fired tonight. The one who produces the least is out of there, right? And, uh, and that's the deal because they're sick and tired of these guys not producing. And, uh, and they're not um, – he's even got leads for them, but he's not going to give them to them because you guys got leads already that you're wasting and you better go hustle and I better see you know, some money in the door immediately or, or that's it. And, uh, and the movie's about their various reactions to that ultimatum and, uh, and, the, and, and a whole lot of human nature exposing itself in the process. It's a great movie. So uh, anyway, yeah, so Alec Baldwin's character definitely represents a level of, um, you know, you see that kind of commitment in your hardcore um, regs at the, at, the, at the org level, at the, at the staff level. You know, at the Sea Org, it goes even, it, it, it gets dialed up even more. Okay. Oh, uh, Luigi Coppola asks, can you talk about uh, Excalibur book? Sure. Yeah, of course. I actually wrote about it in my book, by the way. So, um, you know, get my book. I mean, there's a lot of data in there. Uh, and I actually taught, ta I, I think I've documented just about everything there is to find on Excalibur. Um, because there's, and there's not a lot, it's, it's not a long section. Um, the book was apparently a manuscript that Hubbard wrote. I think it was 1938. He would have been, uh, what is that? 27 years old. The story goes that he had a dental surgery gone wrong and died in the chair. He claimed, went to some place, now he didn't say heaven, he went to some place where all of knowledge was laid out before him and he was exposed to it and saw it and, and came back and retained some of it and instantly wrote that, you know, sat down in a cabin in, in uh, Washington, Port Orchard or something, and uh, for, you know, five straight days or something and, and, and dashed out this, this uh, tome, this novel, this book. Not a novel. A, a, it's a nonfiction work, and it's apparently supposed to be some kind of deep analysis of people and relationships, and and our will and intent to survive. That's where Hubbard said the the dynamic principle of existence that he came up with that we're all just trying to survive comes from Excalibur. That was one of the revelations, and of course, that's not a very you know big revelation, really. It's one of the most obvious things about life, but. Uh, Hubbard says that's all there is to life, is that the urge to survive is all there is. Well, I, I disagree. I think there are other things going on there. But anyway, that's, um, that's kind of what the heart of Excalibur was. Hubbard then claimed in various lectures over the years that the book was so powerful and written so powerfully that uh, people who read it um, experienced epiphanies or uh, sudden uh, switches in their reality. He said one person tried to kill himself, I think, or did. Another person uh, ran off with somebody else's wife because he didn't feel he had any limits anymore and nothing really mattered anyway or something like that. And Hubbard called the phenomenon going up the pole. He actually made an analogy to this in a lecture where he talked about how it, to a to – a, uh, a worm that exists in two-dimensional space would be would would be would not know what he was running into 
when he hit a pole that was that exists in three-dimensional space. So here you have this worm running into this pole, and the worm can't think in three dimensions. It only understands two. So what 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 the hell is this? Right? It doesn't get it. But what Excalibur allows people to do, he says, well, humans are like this worm, right? They, have, they, they only think the way they think. And what Excalibur did was and it invited them to think differently and recognize that there are three dimensions. And Hubbard said that the, the phrase he used for this was they went up the pole. Oh, hey, there's a pole here. And they climbed it and they got out of their two-dimensional existence and lived in three dimensions after that. So, you know, make of that what you will. That's that's how he described it. And that's, yeah, that's that's uh, what I'll say about that today. <laughs> There's a whole quote on it uh, from a guy who did read it in my book, and I'm just going to tease you with that and say, go, go read that. Um, oh, my God. What are your thoughts on Justinian the Great's reconquest of the Western Roman Empire? I'm sorry to say I have no thoughts about that because I know almost nothing about it as I sit here right now talking to you. So I'm sorry. I cannot answer that. Uh, are you, <laughs> you guys, are you okay with an insurance officer chiropractic clinic being located in a Walmart? Um, no. <laughs> I don't like chiropractors uh, anyway, but uh, no, I, I don't know. All right, let's see. Um, yeah, exactly. Third prize is you're declared. Exactly, exactly, Preacher1138. Um, okay, question here. Thank you, X Cyan. Do you think I have OT powers? Today I melted an ice cube with my mind just by staring at it. <laughs> it took a lot longer than I thought it would, though. Uh, yeah, definitely. You are absolutely exhibiting the same level of OT power and ability that OT8s manifest. So well done. Good job. All right. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh my God, red pill. If you had to choose between watching Troll 2 all the way through and getting a colonoscopy, which would you choose? I'll take the colonoscopy. At least that will do something for me. Uh, Troll 2, I've already unfortunately had the uh, pleasure of sitting through, I think. Oh my God. Okay. Oh, Flatland. He stole that from Carl Sagan. That's interesting. Now, first, last, he said that in the 1950s, I think, in a lecture. So I don't know that he stole that from Carl Sagan, but interesting that they had the same concept. Um, I have, okay, Polly asks me, did you see the LuLaRue documentary? Um, uh, no, I have not yet had the time to watch that. It is on my queue, uh, absolutely, to see. There's a whole gaggle of of um, uh, documentaries and series that I need to watch that I've got queued up to watch, uh, both fiction and nonfiction on culty stuff. And uh, and you guys can uh, take guesses as to why I'm doing that. Uh, do, do I think Jazzercise was potentially an exercise cult? No, I think it was a fad. Um, cults are a whole different brand of thing than fads, and people mistake one for the other all the time just because they get very, very popular in a really bizarre and extreme way. Um, but it's the control mechanisms that make a thing a cult. And nobody I, that I know of was, uh, I mean, I'm answering this seriously. You probably didn't even mean it seriously, but it's a good way to bring up this point that I like to harp on because um, people mistake this all the time. They, they, they think that cults are about the extremity of the belief set. And 
you know, it's it, it, that, that's part of the picture, and they think it might be the weirdness of the beliefs that make it a cult, and that's that's ain't got nothing to do with it. All right, my favorite hobby horse to uh, to pound in. So I'll sorry for repeating all that. Oh, hey Shimoda, hey, welcome, welcome home, <laughs> and welcome to the show. Um. No, I have not, Kiva Go. Uh, have you mentioned Spain convicting CCHR for interfering with psychiatric yet or psychiatry yet? No, I actually need to read that story. I saw the headline, but I did not dive into the details yet. Um, um, I, yeah, it's, uh, it's, anyway, I, it, it looked like good news. Uh, it looked like there was good news in Spain on that, but I, I'm sorry, I have not yet uh, gotten up to speed on that. Um, Oh, excellent. Now, I already answered that question, though. You asked me, what are my hopes for the new year? I, um, oh, well, actually, no, this is a little bit of a different question. If we're asking about hopes for the new year, <laughs> okay, I'll give you some hopes. Um, I hope that Scientology is dragged through the mud in the Masterson case. And I really, really think that there are lots of good ways that could happen. So I really hope that the prosecutors bring their A game and really come prepared for Scientology shenanigans um, because they are going to, because Scientology, you can bet Scientology is going to come prepared. But, um, but I hope they head them off at the pass and they work out that they get that Scientology into that case. And obviously, much, much more important, actually, and I'm going to say this real, real clear, is justice for those women. You know, the Scientology angle on this case is very exciting, and there's a lot of potential there. But at the end of the day, it is about justice for those women. And that is what I hope for more than anything with that case. Uh, you know, hands down, that needs to happen. So um, so I have high hopes for that. I have hopes that um, uh, we will see further cracking in the in the the armor of MLMs and uh, goofy business oriented cults. Now that Nexium has gone down, and now that we are seeing Luluru exposed, I'm hoping that in the same way that Scientology was exposed, that we can actually kind of expose an entire racket of cults, which is MLM, uh, multi level marketing. Uh, every one of those companies, and I do mean every single one of them, if they follow a multi-level marketing model, they are a destructive cult. It's, it's built into the DNA of it. You can't have one without the other. It's actually bizarre uh, how, how tailor-made they are to be little destructive cults it's, or big. I mean, when you look at Amway or um, you know, some of the other huge MLMs out there, you are looking at full-blown cults, and it's um, it's just awful. It is it is it, it really needs to be uh, regulated out of existence, and unfortunately, the exact opposite has been the case. I don't see that we're going to get any regulations happening in 2022, but the public's awareness of it is has to always come first, and I think that's what's happening now, and I'm very excited about that. I very much, boom, just exactly as I looked down, and I was about to say, I hope Aaron Smith-Levin wins the seat on the Clearwater Council. Absolutely. I want that, too. Uh, I, I have high hopes for Aaron getting on the city council and him and Mark cleaning house on that board uh, because 
that that board needs some cleaning house. If you guys have been following Tracy McManus's reporting um, in the past and up to now on the Clearwater situation and their new city manager, this guy John Jennings, who is playing, who appears to be playing footsies with Miscavige, and I am completely unimpressed. Now I allow for the idea that Jennings might be playing some kind of 4D chess with Miscavige, because he says he came in, uh, you know, with knowledge about Scientology's history. And Clearwater. So far, I have seen zero evidence that Jennings is is exhibiting any knowledge of Scientology when he's making public statements that they you know look forward to working in partnership with the Church of Scientology. That is the same level of naive bullshit that every other city manager and Clearwater City Council member has tried to to get by with, and 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 they get stomped on every time. Scientology takes advantage of that naivete and gullibility a hundred percent of the time. So, uh, so I really, really, really hope uh, for this year that there's some significant sea change out there on that exact point. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, okay, let's. Uh, so those are some hopes I have here. I see some other things coming in. So, um, okay, if Shimoda, I think I did get your email question. I, I recall that I have something from you in my queue. And I think I'm actually trying to get some info so I can answer it. I um, Sometimes I get questions and I'm like, oh, I got to look some stuff up for that. And then I don't get to that yet. So but do go ahead and email me again, if you would like to just to make sure I'm totally open to that. Um, <laughs> is is pro, I love these red pill questions. Is pro wrestling a sign of decaying culture? Um, probably. Yeah, probably. Probably an early marker of uh, of uh, corn and bread, or you know, corn and games, the the old Roman uh, thing, you know, gladiators, in other words. But I could say the same about professional boxing or you know even football. I mean these are these are violent sports that cause real long term physical damage to the people who participate in them, and that's it's a little barbaric that we get off watching that, you know, and uh, and that's that's just kind of how it is. I'm not saying it's going to change. I'm just saying it's it's a little barbaric. Uh, okay, praiser size. Okay, so Shimoda. Um, I was recently looking at getting some therapy for residual effects of my being in the group I was in, and I noticed a lot of them offer techniques of NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. This set off alarm bells in my head because I'd heard before, maybe from you in fact, that NLP was a pseudoscience and is in fact used by some cults as a control mechanism. Plenty of stuff online also calls it a pseudoscience. I was disappointed to see how widespread it was that they would advertise using NLP as if it were a good or legitimate thing. Shimoda, you're bringing up a really, really hot topic and good point. NLP is controversial. I have not studied it enough to be able to speak to its legitimacy, but John Atack has told me that there are legitimate elements to it in its in its core writings and what it was initially presented to be. There are aspects of it that are built on true things. But you can take true things and, like we say, blow it up to 11, exaggerate the hell out of it, overemphasize certain parts of it as a way you do that, offer false narratives about it. Um, skew the perspective or the priority of certain parts of it. This is much more important than this, when in fact they're actually equally the same. You know, in Scientology, for example, it's, there, there's nothing wrong with looking up words in a dictionary, but to say that that's the only thing that causes somebody to not learn a subject is they don't know the words 
is total horseshit, right? But Hubbard makes that claim. So he takes a true thing and he blows it out of proportion. That's a way that you can distort or corrupt a subject. And I don't know that NLP is being distorted or corrupted that way, but it could be. And there are no shortage of snake oil salesmen out there who will take some bit of science or some bit of, of potential science, right? Some, some wonderings, research questions, ideas, and they'll take it as fact and they'll spin it as fact when it's not. And I think that's what we see with NLP. Um, but there are techniques in NLP that clearly do manipulate people. And um, Keith Ranieri, or, or, <laughs> Ranieri <laughs> I'm going to get that pronunciation down. I'm having in my mind always uh, connect it to Canary. Ranieri, Keith Ranieri uh, of Nexium fame and Nancy Salzman specifically, his cohort, his, his, his partner in crime, were apparently NLP experts and were utilizing that as part of the Nexium program. So... You know, can you use it in a manipulative fashion? I can say with certainty that you can. Uh, how legit it is otherwise, I, you know, I'll have to do future research on that. And I, and I intend to because I am curious about it myself. Um, yeah, I hope I got Melissa some nice gifts for Christmas too. <laughs> um, oh, do I have any idea how it got so commonly used or why therapists would be using it? Um, no, you're not using, you're not remembering wrong at all, Shimoda. And let me um, simply say two things about psychologists that are a, a little on the, about psychology, I should say, as an institution or therapy as an institution is individual psychologists are just as gullible and susceptible to um, con jobs as anybody else. There is nothing in psychology that prepares you or primes you to be a person who is, you know, has better defenses against psychological or deceptive or advertising manipulation. Okay, that, it, you know, and psychologists can fall for bullshit just like anybody else can, in other words. And we see that, unfortunately, in certain modes of psychology and therapy. It happens. Psychology runs off in fads just like other groups do. And that's the down part. The downside of science is that it's being done by human beings. Uh, you know, if, if uh, I think if science were being executed by AI, it would be a little bit of a different thing. But uh, we'd have a whole other crop of problems with that because, of course, AI doesn't have what we call morality. So, you know, who knows where that might go. So there's, you know, again, pluses and minuses to all of this. Uh, anyway, I hope that kind of gets the idea across. Gonna Oh, thank you, Ua, for that nice super chat. Very much appreciated. Um, no, did Seward birthing smell like feces and shame? Um, sometimes, actually, yeah, actually. Uh, okay, should Steven Seagal be banned from making any more movies? God, yes. Um, and finally, should the Hallmark Channel be legally declared a form of torture? No, uh, no, just don't watch it. Do you have a way for us to down, donate directly to you without the goofy fees of PayPal, YouTube, etc.? Debbie, I do not. Those are the only routes I have to offer to you because otherwise I'd have to give you bank account information or something, and I'm certainly not going to do that. So I'm sorry I don't. I only have um, PayPal and uh, YouTube and um, Patreon, of course. 
Um, now, with PayPal, of course, I mean, you can use the friends and family option, I guess. I hope I'm not encouraging licentiousness in saying that. But, you know, we are all friends. <laughs> so, anyway, I don't know. Uh, but um, that's those are the ways I have for you guys to, to support the channel and support my work. And I, and, and I please, I've obviously encourage you to do so. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, Kiva asks a good question. Uh, do you wonder why there are fewer books by former Scientologists coming out in the last two years? Less than half of the number combined than in any single previous year. COVID, market saturation, all of the above, Kiva. Um, I think it is... You know, not everybody who comes out wants to tell their story. In fact, most people don't. Um, not everybody wants to be loud and proud. Most people don't. Um, not everybody knows how to do this, right? Again, most people don't. So, um, so you have, you're already dealing with a pretty small number of people because uh, Scientology really isn't that big. And a lot of us who have been willing to speak out, have had stories that we've wanted to tell, have done so. Um, there are tons more stories out there. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there are not any more stories. I'm saying that the people who would tell them are not necessarily in a position where they feel safe, secure, um, you know, uh, yeah, basically those two things more than anything, I think, safe and secure, and also recovered enough to feel like they're willing to share with the public at large. It's a huge step. You know, I've made it look pretty easy because um, I didn't really realize what I was doing, <laughs> to be honest with you. I didn't really think too much about what I was doing when I started this channel. I just, uh, you know, what is that now? Oh, so, okay. Anyway, I just I just jumped in and uh, and I have a mouth and I use it and I had a lot to say. So I, I got out there. Um, some other people did too. Um, but you see that that is not a common quality. And I don't even know that it necessarily should be. Recovery is a very private process. I've made it mine very public for the reason of helping. But um, it's, it's normally for people, it's an incredibly private process involving a lot of very, very personal things that they don't want to talk about with everybody else. So um, that's what I can say about that. Oh, good. Somebody's loving red pills questions. Good. I was, I was hoping that was a, uh, that was a good thing. Uh, so let's start wrapping up. Let me ask, the, let me answer these last few questions and we will, we'll finish the show for this week, guys. It's been fun. Uh, did you ever find the movie Red Dawn entertaining? Yes, I did. When I was a kid, I did enjoy Red Dawn when it first came out. I think I was a teen. I was in its target demographic. Uh, I did not find the new one entertaining. I think I only watched a few minutes of it. It was like, Meh. You know, the one with Chris Evans or... Uh, no, Chris Hemsworth. I, I was like, meh. Um, Kiva. Uh, Aftermath Foundation succeeding in getting members out and financially stable. Um, yes, Kiva. That, that's part of that picture, too, of course, is the Aftermath Foundation helping people out. Uh, Red Pill. Is Ozzy Osbourne a good anti-drug ad? Uh, he is to me. Uh, uh, he is to me. He and he and Keith Richards are actually walking billboards for don't do hardcore drugs, right? I my limit is pot. I'm it's legal. I'm there, but I don't. I don't. I'm not going to go higher than that. Uh, okay, I vote for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to be named after Prince. Do you like that idea? Hell yes. Hell yeah. Prince is the god. Okay, guys. Um, 
Excellent. All right. I will leave you guys with this in case you're not seeing it in the comments as my final Christmas dad joke from Excellent here. How can you tell when Santa is around? He always makes his presence known. Ah. All right, guys. Thanks for coming around. Uh, let's go ahead and wrap up now. Bye-bye.